Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, pleasure to be here as usual. Maybe a little bit more this week as we'll get into, but... Oh, we're a couple of... Yeah, well, exactly <laughs> right. We're a couple of games into round one. The footy season's It's fantastic. Back. It's frightening that it's back. It's seems to have happened extremely quickly. That's uh, all... All part of the fun. You play this afternoon. We do at uh, the beautiful Adelaide Oval, one of the one of the great places to play footy in right around the country, especially when the you know it's a it's a big pumping crowd, which I think we'll get. I think it's seventy percent in in SA at the moment, which is going to be just fantastic. Huge, yeah. It's just it's a magical oval and um, not a great place for chasing snapper at the moment because I think <laughs> they hit their limit. So obviously, with with the way that the snapper ban runs, there's um, there's periods of time when you can actually um, apply, get Permits? an exemption, yeah, yeah and, and, and be able to fish. And the last one sold out in six days. So at the moment, <laughs> there's no snapper fishing. You stick to the footy and uh, and rock up to Adelaide over this afternoon. Speaking of footy, how's the body shaping up? You are pretty old at the moment, so well, you're getting older. Well, I'm not getting any younger, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're feeling well? You're ready to go? Yeah, feeling really well. It's... Yeah. Um, it's it's a very odd feeling given how short the preseason's been. Like I, there hasn't been one in my t- in my football career where the preseason has been this short. So you feel you don't feel underdone, but you do feel like you're underdone. Jesus, <laughs> geez, it's happened quickly. Yeah. Now you're ready to go. Most players are pretty good. Like you, you know, you you just find a way to get ready, and you know it's it's better than slogging it out on the track for. You know what is normally fourteen weeks of preseason it hasn't been anywhere near that, which is which is different. Do you so, think preseasons need to be as long as they have been in the past to what you're seeing at the moment? I had always said no. Yeah, because I'm definitely a no <laughs> <laughs> for your experience. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd always said no until this year, where it, it does feel short. So I feel like we're not going to see the best of all teams. For probably another month, I reckon. Yep. I reckon we'll get, we'll start to see some, and and that's sort of that's every season, you know. It's a bit scrappy. Early Build on. into it, but it'll be especially scrappy given we, you know, we have only seen one um, preseason game. There's been a couple of those scratch matches against other clubs that every club's basically organised. But it's going to take a little bit for for us to sort of get into the swing of of a really high quality game. I think so. I think we're probably another month away from an for. The entire broad competition to when we'll start to see the best footy um, played nationally. More, more importantly, just last question for footy, I reckon, for the punters out there, literally the punters. Uh, <laughs> come on, you're not starting in the goal square, are you? I hope not. You're starting in the middle. Starting in the middle, absolutely. So you should I be. Think. So you, you think. <laughs> Wait, do what the sure. boss says. <laughs> it always, the team always changes. You rock up on a Friday night, this is what it's going to be. It'll change by the next day, so don't, don't worry about that. You start in the middle, and if not, I'll give Chris a call. Well, we can we can make it work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to a little bit of uh, bit of outdoor news. I don't yep. know if you've been following the, the car industry of late, but obviously there's been a huge amount of interest in the 
uh, arrival of the new Land Cruiser 300 series. And what it's meant is that the phasing out of the turbo uh, Land Cruiser V8, and what we're seeing in the second-hand market at the moment is incredibly inflated prices for second-hand um, vehicles up to, uh, I think it was, I was reading a Cars Guide um, article, and it was saying up to 60 grand above RRP for a car yeah. that had actually done a few Ks, so it wasn't brand new. And I think they're asking like 160 and like the, the normal price is around 104 So cruisers are expensive anyways. You know, they're a like, fantastic car. Brilliant car, brilliant car. But you're not spending 60 grand yeah. more than the RRP. Like, what I can't get my head around is, yes, the, the turbo diesel is sensational, a V8 brand. But every time anything is ever um, phased out and there's this new product that's being introduced, it's always an upgrade. So why would you... Why would you buy something that's being phased out when there's new technology mm. that's about to be introduced? Yes, like, it's probably trust as well. Like, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, it's trust. Trust in the car really that well you know the car. Yeah, yep. it just does. It's like who knows what's going to happen. They, they might. There's numerous items that have come on the market, and I'll give just an example with food shapes. They tried to go to the new shapes, and they were crap. That didn't work. <laughs> You... That's a good comparison, isn't it? <laughs> That's the worst comparison. <laughs> I, <deliver> I... <laughs> I thought it was pretty quick in the spot. Shapes, they went ordinary, they changed back. So you never know when Land Cruiser is going to do the same. You wouldn't, would you spend an extra 50 grand from what the... Uh, they're just not that important to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I probably... I don't know. I'd prob- Not an extra 50 grand because I bloody don't have it. But uh, I don't know. It's a car that works. Redmond Mako Craft, and we know Mako Craft as a aluminium... Uh, boat builder. Yep. Um, they've released uh, a new fiberglass boat range. Um, they're releasing a four meter uh, open boat, the X series, and a X light, which is their car topper version. Now it's a hell of a lot lighter than um, than the standard construction, um, and it's genuinely designed to sit on on top of cars. Um, I find this really interesting that the the light is 80 kilos versus the X-Max, the Mako X-Max, which is 150, which is sort of your, your typical fiberglass boat construction. Is there a place for four-metre fiberglass boats in Australian waters when the market is so flooded with um, its aluminium competitors? And, and bear in mind, aluminium is a hell of a lot cheaper but in terms of rideability, like I like the idea that if you know if you're launching off a boat ramp, 150 kilos for a four meter boat is fine. I think um, you don't have that same noise that generates from mm-hmm. from, a, from an aluminium boat. Would you buy a four meter fiberglass boat? I'm fiberglass all over. I'm a fiberglass man. Uh, do you know what the ultimate boat is for Port Phillip Bay? I would say is a five little five meter to go out in your whiting, your calamari, to go out. And crushed, crunched through the bay chop, a little bit of bay chop. You're not going out in 20 knots. You're not being stupid. Let's be no, honest. Exactly right. But that there for me, I would, I would personally buy that over an aluminium boat. Yep, definitely over a four meter aluminium. Over tinny. a four meter. Uh, they get the reason you have tinnies is to do things that you can't in, in glass. But <laughs> yeah, like, no, that, I agree. That, yeah. I'm trying to. It's yeah. But where if do you, you compromise, if, so if you're gonna bang it round, throw it on top of cars. I mean, it's it's. You can bend aluminium. Yeah. Fiberglass doesn't bend no, quite as well. It does tend to crack at times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the hardware element to, of the X-Lite. Yep. 
starts from eleven and a half grand, so it is expensive. Mm. But I mean, everything in the boating industry. So what isn't expensive? Seems to be heading in that direction. <laughs> you buy a bit of wood, and they actually write with the text of marine in front of it, and add an extra fifty bucks on top of it. <laughs> marine ply. This is now. <laughs> Are you sure it just looks like normal ply? No, it's definitely no, it's marine <laughs> ply. It's definitely marine ply. Uh, Bar Crusher have released their well, they've teased their new five hundred five. Um, side and center consoles. We're looking forward to seeing more of that. It's it's certainly been a bit of a gap, I think, in in the Bar Crusher range. That smaller range boat. We've seen their four point nine. They've extended their new four point or their old four point nine cuddy cab. Um, so now their transom design basically mirrors the rest of the range. So looking forward to seeing that. So it's less of a, um, I suppose, a bit tinky compared to, you know. The rest of the Bar Crusher range, everything's sort of five metres and above. So looking forward to seeing that on the water over the next few months, Redmond. Um, now let's get to your week in fishing. It's been yep. a bit of a tough one for you because you went out on Port Phillip Bay earlier in the week and were reminded of just how dangerous Mother Nature can be. Ah, uh, yeah, and still shaken up a little bit from it. Actually, nothing, I'll be honest with you, not a lot affects me. I'm pretty tough skin to tell you the honest truth, and... It uh it this knocked me around a bit. I, I we'll talk about the fishing first. I had tuna out the front. Now I hate to say this, and I'm gonna say it. We had some. I had a couple of fantastic days on the tuna offshore, but I reckon they're thinning out. But don't I'm say the, that. I, I'm making the call now. You got to remember why. What you and I this time last year were separated. We were already. I don't think we're allowed to do uh, due to COVID. We weren't allowed to see each other. We were doing it through the phone and whatnot. This time last year. Yes. Yep. We were. So what how that means is. Pretty much from now on, for a period of time, we didn't go on the water. We no, weren't allowed correct. on the water. Yep, yep, yep. So what happened was we went from catching all these tuna to going out sort of in the middle of winter once regional Victoria was allowed to fish. And we don't know, the tuna just weren't there. We, we I looked, I looked, I couldn't find them. Yep. So, Which makes sense. Like, like that's, that, that had echoed cycle. the patterns of previous that's, seasons. Yeah, and well, Portland, for example... Uh, they get their run of these fish are good fish. They're twenty to forty kilo fish, so they're not that smaller range. Where Portland get that thirty kilo run of fish during the summer, which they have this year, then they just they, they go away. They go wherever they go, they go, and we don't know when they're going to disappear from here because we didn't get to experience that last year. And last year was the first proper proper year of insane tuna fishing, really big numbers, yeah, massive numbers. So. It's going to be very interesting. The re- Pat, I could go back out there next week and they might be in their big numbers again. I still caught fish. I had no dramas finding fish. But I in before I went away to Eden, I was going from school to school to school to the next school. They weren't and super difficult was, to find. No, they weren't. Where I drove a few kilometres at times and didn't actually see any fish, which I'm thinking to myself, is this just a thing that's happening? Or We'll see in the next week or so. We'll, we'll get a pretty good look what's happened in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, you know how I feel when I'm <laughs> looking for fish. Oh, Jesus. Where are they gone? Why are they here? <laughs> Pat, you haven't fished in three months. That's why. That was three you, months ago. You've got to go out in the water to see fish. Not like, off your buddy's sky deck. <laughs> not in the Aldi car park looking for... Oh, we've got a bit the, of talking about Aldi oh, later. Oh, I'm really excited. Um, but the, the, whiting, the whiting were going bloody good. They're... Um, they're going to shape up and get better and better. April, May, then go a bit harder after that. But April and May are red hot, so be looking uh, big excited for that. Flathead's still fishing really, really well. Your sharks, Portland's fishing well. Kingfish up the coast off the Welsh pool fishing well. Gummies at Welsh, Welsh pool. Malacuda, everything's fishing extremely well. Aladala, JB, the marlin, everything is firing. But like I said at the start, uh, like you said at the start of this conversation now, is I had a bit of a scare, and I just want to remind people of how dangerous the Port Phillip Bay Heads is. Now, it's one of the most, um, it's 
one of the most dangerous waterways in the world, Pat. And I've said this to you, and every time I take you out there, whoever I take out there, I hold on. For, even if it's glass calm, hold on, because you don't know what's going to happen there. Well, you think about the, the body of water. Yep, that three and a half kilometres wide. That, uh, is the Port, yeah, that Port Phillip Bay is. Yep, has Cryo to go. Bay is. Fills up with water. Has to go somewhere. And it drains with water. That's right. Now, the easiest way to explain it is, if you put your hose in your on the centre of your driveway at home, if you've got a normal drive, sorry, not driveway, road out front of your place, the water's going to fall to the gutter. Yep. And that's what happens. The middle of the rip is the most dangerous part. Now, you, people are going to say to me, well, you shouldn't have gone out while the swale was running and while you're in the middle of the ebb tide. Well, I am 100% confident in my ability to go out there. And you've got to remember, I've crossed this thousands and thousands and thousands of times from when I was 15. And hindsight's a great thing as well. Hindsight is a great thing. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's like easy to sit in now. You shouldn't have gone yeah. out. Oh, no. No, 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 no shit, shall I? Oh, I could, uh, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, so what happened was I approached the rip with care. Uh, I spoke to Chris Vasileski, a good friend of the show from Gone Fishing Charters, and Chris O said to me, he goes, I was pretty pretty sloppy through there. He goes, just, you might struggle a little bit. I'm like, yeah, no worries. Thanks for the heads up. I got there. I looked at it. I said, And I said to the boys, we'll go whiting fishing if it's no good and come back out later on the next tide, which would have been calm, which it was coming in. I got there, I looked at it, and it just, it looked crap, but it didn't look, it didn't look crap. Horrific. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't. was, I was like, I'll get through here. The swale was running, the middle of the ebb tide, probably, the, it was the worst time to go through, but with my capabilities, I've done this so many times, I backed myself in. It didn't look, you said to me on the phone, it didn't look a huge amount worse than what I'd done hundreds yeah, of times it didn't. before. No, so it, why it did it. I've been yeah. at him worse than that, and yeah. what happened was I approached the rip, and I got there. Waves, a couple of waves broke, went through it, blah, blah, blah. Trying just, I was just about to turn right to come out of it. And I watched this wave break at probably about a metre, a metre and a half in front of me. It's hard to put a measurement onto it because everything is bigger by the time you crap your ducks. So I looked at this wave and it went and it picked up and white water everywhere. But what happened was it got sucked back up by a pressure wave. Now, in the rip, if you've been there, you talk about a washing machine getting thrown around, this is what this thing looks like. Water, this wave got sucked up by another wave. It's nearly probably three times its size. I said to the boys, hold on. And what I've done, I've, and I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of credit, it was 90% luck, 10% skill. If I had have had the boat slightly 10 degrees either way, Pat... Yeah, the, the, we, the teaching point that you want to talk about I, is how important it is keeping to be... The, Dead on. Dead on. Dead on straight. I hit this wave straight. We went vertical up in the air. We've landed smack bang on the engine, lost all electronics, everything shut off. And then I uh, I had everything was off. I'm drifting out in the middle of the rip. Well, <laughs> drifting, no power, no nothing. So I kept the nose straight. I made, with the tide, I made sure I got the nose back straight. The engine started, but it was very like, it was not making much sense. A bit like me after a couple of jamos. And then I pulled left hand down. I made the call. I've gone, technology's that good. This is going to clear its throat. I backed the boat in. I backed the engine. Left hand down, throttled. Meanwhile, we're up to my knees in water. Bilge pump. It took 20 minutes to get all the water out of the boat. We punched out of it. I went back in, got the water out, punched out of the rip. I sat away. I said to the boys, all right, I need to go back out through this. Is it going to sound dumb? I said, because... That is a one in a, well, I'll say thousands of times that I've been out, that that's going to happen to you. It's not going to happen again. I went back out, approached it with care. I did the exact same thing. Did not have a slight drama. We went out and we went and caught a couple of tuna. Now, nothing didn't set into me. And this, whatever I've said to you right now isn't going to even be sound that bad. But what I had for no, me to be... You were very emotional. I was a bit shaken up. Yep, and that afternoon Because I, I could have killed two of my best mates. Like, it was yep. literally two of my best mates. It could have been dead. And if you went in there, 
I don't care if you've got four life jackets on. You're dead. You're going to die. You are not going to save yourself. The amount of pressure sucking you under, you are dead. And it, and, I, and I'm being ruthless because the reason I am is because it's the truth and people aren't respecting this waterway. I gave it all the respect it deserved. I always have. I got caught out. Unlucky. Shit happens. But I got through. The next time went out and we caught a couple of tuna. So that there was basically, yeah, it. <laughs> We'll pick up this conversation on the other half of the break. You are listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're talking bar crossings. You had the Friday Life earlier in the week. Yep. The take-home points for you being critical to hit the boat, uh, hit the wave as straight as you possibly can. Yep. The other learning points for you, as the, the boats come back off the wave... I've dropped the, it out of gear. The motor's basically totally sat in the water. It was completely... Uh, we, I don't know how we didn't go over Yep, the top. But what I did was, I didn't hit the wave with... like it's gonna. I didn't just smash through it to go bang, hit it and fly. fly. I didn't give it any momentum. I tried to give it as least momentum as I could. And I only can speak about this now because I know what I did... I know that I knocked it out into neutral. Just This is more natural instinct of driving boats every day. So why knock it out of... I wanted to drop. I didn't want to give it momentum to throw me over the top. I wanted the boat to fall back down. Yep. So I let it fall down. We sat and I hit the build. Before I even... Before, I head part of my windscreen. I've got a bloody cut lip, black lip. I've <laughs> got bruises on my knees and my arm where I hit stuff. I knocked the boat. I let it fall. I hit the bilge pump on because... What gave it away that I needed the bilge pump on was the fact that my thongs were floating. <laughs> so <laughs> Inside the boat. Inside the boat. Uh, Mitch's phone we found two hours later at the back of the boat. It flew out of the glove box when it lifted up. Oh, and it was still working. These iPhones are tough. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and um, yeah, I let the boat fall. I kept the nose straight afterwards so I got the engine under control and I got out of there. So all I'm trying to say, Pat, is when you do get a bar crossing, keep your nose in. So And, and you know what happened? This exact same time we had this incident, my phone rang. I had I, st- I drove back out. My ha- I had four missed calls: one from Dad, one from Lockie, one no, sorry, two from Dad, one from Lockie, one from James. They're my brothers and my old man. And I I rang I rang Lockie back because he was the last one that called. I see his number. So he goes, "Are you all good?" He goes, "Mate, I'm standing on the bridge. There's a boat flipped out of the Bowen River right now. The cops are everywhere. The ambulance and everywhere." And I've gone. Oh, it's funny you say that. Not as funny that that happened, but I literally nearly just died. And he's like, what? I said, oh, another story. What's happened? A boat flipped going through the Bowen River because the swell was so big. They flipped. And what they did wrong, and I know what happened because the boat got taken back to a place that my mate works and he spoke to him because they wanted to try and save the engine. They went out. They got to the red stick. The waves were breaking. The one one thing they did was he turned around. And the wave broke on the back of him and flipped him straight away. You've got no yep. control. Yep. So that was the mistake they made. It, it, they've turned the boat rather than keeping the nose on. You've got more... Turning the boat's the worst thing to do. Even if you're going to go over, you're best off trying to hit it straight on because that's the only way you have a chance yep. like we did. We got, And these guys went over. They're all in the water in his photo with all John Addy all over the news, whatnot, the paper. So basically, keep your nose straight. Use your power engine. And yeah, only fish to your capabilities. And please respect any bar crossing in the country, especially... The Port Foot Bay heads. If you are going to go out there and chase a tuna, be bloody mindful and I don't know, like just, just, just be safe. Because, like I said, I'd like to say I'm, I'm one of the ten percent people that probably knows this. Ten percent of probably three percent of people that cross this that actually do it regularly. You've got the pilot boats, you've got the ship guys, you've got the charter guys, myself and a couple of others, very local, experienced people. 
And for the amount of people that are out there have no idea crossing that thing, just let's just be a bit more respectful of it because I literally I I've had a couple of chances in my life, Patrick, and this is one of them. So yes. you're yes. not your nine lives. You are you. You're very much down to very single digits. I think uh, if I was a cat, I reckon the cat would be pushing its luck. <laughs> All right, let's get to the social club where we take your questions from social media. Gareth has the first one. He sent us a question on our social, on our uh, Instagram page during the week. Boys, can you please advise me again on the seasickness tablets Ooh. that Red highly recommends? That would be a godsend. Now, I've taken your thunder, but... Redmond, no, you love the ET seasickness tablets. So yep. Andrew Andrew Eddinghausen promotes these, and you love them. And well, I don't love them because I'm, I'm tough. I, can, I don't get sick. Yeah, you, you <laughs> refuse to go in the cabin of your boat. <laughs> if you want uh, info on ET seasickness tablets, it's escapetravelsickness.com.au. Or easy and number the, is one hundred seasick, isn't it? Yep. And the other thing that um, that they're they're really good for, they don't make you as drowsy as what the travel calms do and I, I use travel car myself because it's just it's easy it's easy access I can get it from um, uh, from you know most petrol stations I do not use the natural ones they my view do not work I use the the normal ones and they're great but they do make you a bit drowsy versus the ET ones they've got caffeine in them so what happens is just a just an example we were in marlin fishing the other week and uh, the boys all take them before we go out no, I'm just they just take him just to be safe, Pat. They just purely take him to be safe. Well, you're not going to turn the boat around when you go on Marlin. I oh, know. Ask Gibbsy day I'm, one. He would slept. He slept for nine hours spewing in that cabin. I'm talking you. <laughs> yeah, you I refuse, know. You saying. refuse to turn around. Any normal person with half a hut. You can't even joke heart, about I half a hut. I'll let you off. Would, uh, would no, turn no, around, no heart would have been more relevant. Would turn around and take the boys in. And your view is, boys, you signed up for this. You're we, in for it. We are, we are here well, to poor, fish. Poor Gibber day one. We got down to the to, to Burmy ramp and uh, the boys, I don't understand people with coffees. Like, I don't mind a coffee, but people got this obsession to get in a coffee. Anyway, the boys get their coffees. Gibbsy loads up. Wasn't his coffee like was what? a turmeric latte or nothing no, like that. Who knows what they bloody got? Anyway, but what they I reckon he's double dosed with caffeine because there's caffeine in it plus the coffee. He was actually shaking, and that's he reckons that caffeine got him sick, as well as the, obviously seasick didn't help. But he reckons that set him off, which screwed him for the day. So if I'm going to advise anything, maybe don't have a coffee first. Number two, drink water because it dry. They dry you out. They 100% dry you out. I reckon that's the caffeine burn on your energy. It, they dry you out. They dehydrate you extremely fast. So, But to stop seasickness, I've had people out there in my life that have said, I will pay you 20 grand if you take me in now. That's how bad it is. So <laughs> I, try, I took him in and I got 20 grand. No. <laughs> it so is, you took- it's, it's, it, I've had them to the stage where you're pretty much bloody dead. So it's um yeah, they're well worth investing. They're prescription-based. They go off your weight and whatnot, but they are well worth getting. Uh, next question is for you, Patrick, from Lyndon. Danger, what are your predictions for the footy season ahead? Who is the winner and who is the loser? So go one to one. To, who's going to be your top three and your and the bottom three teams? Well, in typical... And if you say Cats bottom three, I am walking out of this room. No, Cats top. Cats, cats top? Cats won't lose a game. Don't say that, you idiots. <laughs> Uh, uh, look, I'll take Geelong out of this, so I'll, I'll try and be... Uh, no, no, put you in there. You've got to put yourselves in there. Well, of course, we're going to be at the top. Top three? Uh, oh, Richmond are going to be bloody hard to beat. They always are. I think West Coast will, will be, you know, return to form almost. Um, they didn't start the season uh, as well as I'm sure they would have liked last year, so I think they'll be hard to beat. Um, 
I think Carlton are going to have a good season. I think they've they've built a really strong list. St Kilda, like the list goes on. I think it's a really even competition. You know, the same can be said for Fremantle. Fremantle have like they're going to be a really really difficult team um, to play against, particularly over in the West. Uh, and then you've got the teams that have sort of been you know perennial finals uh, contenders over the last few years in the Brisbane Lions, um, who at you know. They're only going to get better with adding of uh, Joe Danaher to their forward half. He probably straightens them up a fair bit. Um, you know, he's one of the best best forwards in the competition. So, um, you know, it's tight. Um, and I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that, that Collingwood will drop off the cliff like, you know, many have predicted given the changes in personnel that they had last season. I, I, don't, I can't see that happening. They're a really well-run organisation. They've got really good players. And as long as you've got Scott Pendlebury in your team... You're going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's even. And we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get an indication on, you know, who the successful team Brisbane, is going to be. Brisbane, I reckon they're going to be all right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then it's, you know, it's the, the teams that are, that are down the bottom end. Like, it's, it's no real secret. They're just the transitioning teams that have, that have had success at various points and they're just moving in a slightly different direction and probably the one that's been most notable is North you know one of my great mates has, has taken over the, the club in David Noble and I think um, you couldn't have got a better man to take over that football club I think they're in really safe hands um, and he'll be he'll be real about where they're at where they want to get to he's he's patient but impatient if that makes sense you can't makes things happen well yeah and you can't rush you can't rush the um, the the trajectory in the list build to being, you know, you don't you don't want to build something that just has the chance of toppling over in a, in, in a season. You want to build a team that then can sustain finals appearance and success. That's what every supporter wants. Bottom so, bottom four. No, I'm not going to give you. I knew you wouldn't say that's why I said it. I was just talking <laughs> about teams that are in a slightly different window. I like just put you on the spot like that. You get into trouble. Gold Coast will be down there. No, I think Gold... No, I disagree. No? No, I disagree. That's good. I don't. Shortest pre-season that anyone can remember. No one, arguably, Brisbane maybe, um, train in harder conditions because of how bloody hot it is in summer. So they'll be ready to go. That trip is as tough as what the West Australian trip is. If Rao gets through the year, they're premiership. If he doesn't, bottom... You're prepared to say that on a second-year player. He's fantastic to watch. He's a man. It's hard to argue. He's not a boy. He's a man. He, he was born a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've run out of time on the social club, so we're going to have to wrap that up. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures social pages on Instagram and Facebook, or better yet, download our Real Adventures <laughs> app. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for All Aboard. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Dometic Mobile Living made easy. Our special guest is none other than Al McGlashan, one of Australia's premier fishermen, the best fishing photographer. Hey, I don't know about that. I've got a GoPro. <laughs> In the country. Good morning, Al. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures. Good morning, gentlemen. It, it should be a day that we should all be fishing today, I reckon. 
Uh, don't well, Al probably I will, will be. be. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Al, Aaron, um, <laughs> Al on seven mate. Over the last few weeks, has been a fishing with mates two part special on Groot Island. You travelled up there last year. Uh, you, you fished with our great mate Bomith Farrell. Talk to us about uh, the episodes, making the show itself, and the fishing up there because it is one of Australia's hidden gems. It is nothing short of a spectacular fishing location. Like, it's one of those spots that's so remote. You know, the western side of the Gulf up there where no one fishes. And, or no one gets to, I suppose. And it's just got amazing fishing. So, Bomber and I chatted about it for ages. We're actually over in Western Australia with Rob talking about, um, when, with North Bank, you know, talking about going, right, we're going up there at the end of the year. We're getting it done. We're organising. And then you've got to get the camera going because you're limited on everything to fly into a place like that. And, you know, it's like the camera crews, you've got gear and extra people and all these things. And then we just decide to make it really hard and we'd go and take the boat, <laughs> take his 650 North Bank and go out to a really remote reefs and things like that. And, you know, just, just to complicate it even further. And, but when we, like the logistics were terrible, so the logistics were just so tough. But when we actually did it at the end, it was nothing short of insane. There's not a place like, from, from our experience up there, there's not a place that's harder on, camera equipment and everything that's needed to produce a fishing show than Groot Island because it's so bloody hot. The salt in a matter of minutes is crusted on. It's baked onto all the camera equipment that you'll need, obviously, to produce your shows. That in itself is a challenge, and then you've actually got to catch fish. Oh, absolutely. It is unbelievable what you have to do. Like, you know, the salt and everything is hard for it, and everything's against you. So everything's against you. Sorry, just looking out at the weather then for a second going, oh, you know, it's all right to go fishing. Um, <laughs> the weather and everything's against you the whole time. And, you know, we were there. And it, because when we did the long range and we went out to Jurassic Reef, which is the most aptly named reef on earth, is that it's so remote and everything. You've got to wait for the weather. And we went out and it was rough as getting out. They were like, oh, what are we going to do? So we camped up on the island. I'm thinking, oh, geez, this, this weather's no good tomorrow. You can't run that far. And we get up the next morning and it's dead flat. You know, you're just lucky and everything's perfect. And get out there, there's mackerel everywhere. And you had a few camera problems, as you say, with the salt and everything. Because just getting across, the salt spraying on everything. We're like, oh, this is, this is no good. And so we're fixing cameras. I've even got good to become a camera technician over time, I have to say. <laughs> I fixed that many parts. Heck, Canon hate me for it. So I go, oh, yeah, I pulled the camera apart and I fixed this. And they're like... So what are all the spares for? I said, oh, they're the bits that don't fit back in. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, oh. It's like an, so, like an Ikea uh, <laughs> putting, a, putting something together. Exactly right. Uh, Al, it's all, always, good. Always it's all good talking about uh, the destination and how, how, how amazing this place is, but let's take us through what you actually caught on camera through the species of fish. What, what can we see on Fishing With Mates? Oh, well, there's all the Trevally. I mean, it's famous through all the Trevally up there. It's just got a bloody noisy truck down past there. It's absolutely unbelievable. Like, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. If you couldn't even name all the species because there are so many. Yep. So we caught Trevally when we got there. We got Cobia. Um, a few sharks inadvertently, of course. They seem to be there whether you like them or not. Yep. You know, um, then we went down and then we got out to Jurassic and the mackerel were out of the cells. Like, we were fishing. We took all the hooks off and just used poppers so we could get aerial shots of mackerel. <laughs> like, that's a hard shot to do. The cameraman got two of them coming out of the water at once. Oh, like geez. it was just, it's just insane. It's like fishing used to be, you know, before it's 
no one fished there. It's like untouched. So, yeah, it was literally out of this world. And then we went down into sail fishing and timed it for the best. And one thing Bomber's great is he's a bloody good fisherman. said, this is the best week. These are the best tides. This is what you need. So we got them and had the best fishing they'd had all year. And the really amazing thing for us was the amount of tagged fish. Yep. So we caught, I think it was four tagged fish in a week. In one day, in two, must be more than that, must be five tagged fish. So two days in a row, we caught two tagged fish. Like I've never heard of, I've had a few recaptures over the year, over the years, but never have we had so many fish recaptured. Everyone, because he does it with the Billfish Foundation, he keeps all the stats himself, so you don't have to go back to the East South Wales fishery, wait for an answer. He's got all the stats. So we go home, look at it, go, oh, that one was caught three, three years ago. That one was seven years ago. But what I found fascinating is that they're not recaptured anywhere else. That, they're that... only captured down there at the same spot. So they're not caught on the other side. So not so fishes the other side of the Gulf out of Wee Park, and he he catches heaps of sails and yet and tags them, and yet the two have never had a recapture from the other area. Mm. Like it's it's like it's bizarre. It's like there's only one tiny little pocket of fish there. So yeah, it's fascinating and. The way we fish for the sails there is absolute. That's the best fun because it's all bait balling, which obviously is my favourite thing. Yeah, and the switch and baiting. You sit there, watch the birds. Yep, and you race in, and you just race in, and just as soon as the fish is going off, you drop a just a bait literally on the bait ball and hook up. Like it, it is the most exciting fun you've ever had. And of course, I had to jump in. Like I'm just going, stuff this. This is crap. I'm jumping in with them, so I'm swimming around with sailfish, and oh, it was bloody awesome. And then we got the drone footage. Is unreal because we put the drone up and you have the drone flying around, and in the middle of it, you'd have the you know sails and then the dolphins in there and birds flying over the top and ah, oh, and then me swimming around underneath, you know. So yeah, like it's it's one of those places that's so untouched, it's hard to get to, which is great because it makes it more you know more sort of well, I suppose it protects it a bit, but. It's just nothing short of spectacular. Like, if you want to make a TV show for fishing, it is so easy. It's always like, what are we going to do with all these fish? We've got too many fish. <laughs> so, so dear, yeah, it's definitely dear, worthwhile. When you jump in with the fish, and we've seen, like, my favourite image um, is one, I reckon you took at least 10 years ago, of the Mako shark attacking a, a billfish, and you've, you've shot it from, from underneath the hull. Do you ever think about what else is swimming down there? Because... Whilst there's incredible fish up at Groot, there's also some bloody big tiger sharks and a fair few bronze whalers. Does that ever, does that ever hit home at different stages? You just or... got to bite. You just got to bite them first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to chase them down. Yeah. Well, no, I've always tried to. You know the funny part? I've always tried to jump in with tigers, and I've tried over in West Australia with the big ones. They hate me. They won't come near me. Every time I jump in, we had a big one about four meters long up in the shallows. I went, oh, that's the one. Raced over to get in front of him, jumped in. He just turned around and swam the opposite direction. Like, I just can't get... I want to get some underwater of a tiger. For those that are at so home, I'm please enter water one. at own risk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, not advisable for most others. But, yeah, it's really... I, you do think about... There's times there where I remember one time on the New South Wales South Coast that they had a massive bait ball. And it was mainly sharks with a lot of seals and dolphins. And we raced over to it, and I've grabbed the camera and thought, oh, I haven't got the gear. So I thought, I'll just put the camera straight through the side of the door, pulled the door out, jumped, dropped it in, they're just exploding around the boat. 
and they're smacking the side of the boat and the shark comes up and goes bang and rips the side off the camera. Mm. And I pulled the camera out and went, ooh, I don't think I'll get in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they, we actually moved the boat because they were hitting the boat so hard. Like I was actually getting a bit worried about it going, bloody hell, this is not good, you know. They're, they're really flogging us here. So there are times you don't do it. But yeah, as, as a general rule, when you're in there, the other thing too is, when you're in the water, you're actively looking around you because you're looking for the shots all the time. So you're not sort of like swimming where they're unaware. And particularly with sharks, if you've seen them, they're much less likely to have a – they're not that keen on you at all. When, they, when they're in the shadows and they don't, you don't know they're there, that surprise attack, that's what they want. So, yeah, and I suppose that's why you hear swimmers and surfers getting bumped and nipped a lot whilst – divers and spear fishermen don't except when they've got fish on their line that they're you know that obviously changes things a bit because you're offering a free feed and teasing them with it and they're like i'm going to take that off you so there is a bit of that as well obviously but but yeah overall i just never just never had it which i'm sure there'll be one day you'll be talking about going we told that idiot told him to look at it so it was only, only a matter of time till he gets eaten though so yeah the fish tags is a nice segue into your next sort of couple of weeks to a month. Al, you've got a bit on, whether it be Mako sharks or, or tagging swordfish. Talk us through, you've obviously got to find the fish or find the sharks. Talk us through the, um, you know, what's required in order to tag these species of fish um, and, well, and arguably the most coveted in, in swordfish. Yeah, it's, it's a tough gig, especially, and we're trying to film as well. So the big thing for us is we're trying to promote the tagging, and I'm really pushing hard that we need to put more money into satellite tagging in this country. We've got to stop talking about it and start doing it. And it's obviously a big expense, but we're promoting that as much as we can through the show. So we're taking Brent Shannon, who does Aussie Gold Diggers. We're all out fishing and going to catch him and make and tag it. So New South Wales Fisheries have got us with that tag quickly to do it. So we're going to go and do the south coast of New South Wales and Burley up and, yeah, pretty much for the sharks. We just... They're trying to find the better water where there's tuna as well, hopefully, which is going to be a bit of torture too. So we're going to be sitting there chasing sharks, and if there's tuna blowing up around us, they're going to be in trouble. So <laughs> I've got to, I'll try and focus on the job at hand. And yeah, and you barely, we never put any lines in the water. We leave them out and just watch and see what comes up. So, and the big thing there, and this is one trick for guys that are doing it, is that you don't, they go and buy cheap early and all that sort of stuff. We always use a leftover frame. Yep. So from tuna we've caught, and people go and throw it all out, and particularly down in Victoria, all the guys catch the awesome bluefin, they fill at them, then throw the frames over. If you're ever going shark fishing or ever going bottom fishing, they are the best burly on earth. Like those things are absolutely dynamite. And a classic example happened last year, they had the um, shark tournament off Sydney. We won't fish yet, but we had a couple of big sort of 60, 70 kilo yellowfin frames there. We went out to have a fish, put it over the side, within two minutes, the shark around the boat and all the other guys are struggling for fish because they've got cheap burley, you know, that's got mixed in with all other things. And we had just tuna frames. We didn't even burley. We just chucked the tuna frame over the side and left it sit there. Turn around, there's a mako from around the boat. So, yeah, you're right. Burley is essential for that. Not if sure my wife's going to get – I'm not sure I'm going to get that past my wife, Al. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that is a divorce one. So just to be clear <laughs> with it, you either need the biggest freezer on earth or you need to be prepared to be single. I am now single of these days. Well, I've got a partner, but I'm not married anymore. <laughs> too many, too many tuna frames. Yeah, yeah, 
I've been upgrading two to friends. Friends Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Hey, uh, Al, uh, Red loves a review, and you've got your new 650 North Bank uh, that you're rolling around in. Um, it's relatively new. Can you give us a bit of an Al's review on the boat so far? You've obviously matched it with a beautiful Merc 250. Um, ha- how's the boat performed, and um, have you have you had it out in any sort of conditions where you thought maybe this is pushing the envelope, or have you been really pleased with it? Uh, absolutely insane so far. So there's a couple of things. Rob and I had spoken about it for ages and doing it, and I'd been with Evo in the in previous years. Now, Evo make a good boat that's a really good fishing platform, but because it's wider, it's harder to – so it, it just rides harder into the sea, which is just a natural thing. It's a compensation with boats. You get one thing, you lose the other. Yeah, you can't so have everything. The problem that, yeah, you can't have – and plus, if you want everything, it's got to be 100 foot long, like simple as that. And we're dealing six and a half metres – so I wanted a bit more length on that. So Rob 650 is perfect. But the big thing for me is I wanted a fully enclosed cabin. I am sick to death of getting wet and smashed and clears that don't work. It's driven me mad over the years. So he said, no, no, wait till you get in this. So we went and fished together in X-Mouth on the 750. And, of course, using um, Bomber's one as well, I went, this is an awesome riding boat. It sits really well doing it. And particularly with Rob, an important thing for me above all else is that He's really passionate, which is something that lacks in the Australian boat building. They just make it and move on to the next one. He just loves doing it and wants to make a great boat. So we, we set about doing it. We went crazy and put 65 grand's worth of electronics in it, like <laughs> way over the top. It's got a, it's got a um, radar on it that looks like it will take off over the top of a wave. I thought it was a helicopter like, when I first saw it, Al. <laughs> I was scared. I was actually scared. We went over a big swell and went, Ooh, we might take off on this. So, but we put it straight in. Yeah, saying that we put it in the heavy sea. The second day we fished it, it was 25 to, uh, peaked at about 30 knots. We wanted to see how it went. And it was absolutely awesome. Like it's just been, I've been so impressed with the boat, the way it's run, everything about it so far. I mean, we spent a lot of money making it the best setup ever with the Merc on the back and all the electronics under the sun. But it's just been an absolute pleasure. You sit there, it rides like a bigger boat. That's probably the biggest compliment I can give them. When it's, you know, in the sea, you get those thinner holes that flick. Yep. It just rolls gently and fits perfectly. So it's been unreal for us so far. If you want more info on Al's 650 hardtop from North Bank. You can head to his social pages or the almaglashen.com website. Al, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Real Adventures this morning. We really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you again, and we look forward to fishing with mates. It's on Seven Mate at the moment. Beautiful. Thanks, Al. That was brilliant. No worries, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Al. Speak soon, mate. Cheers. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. Ciao. That was Red's Review. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
Red's tip for Go Fish Nagambi. For your chance to win, head to gofishnagambi.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. Yeah, Patrick, it's going to be pretty simple but effective this one. It's going to be basically check your conditions to where you're fishing, no matter where you are around the country. And now what I mean by that is you need to understand your swell, your weather, your, your tides, everything that links into an area, and you need to fish to your capabilities and just come down a little bit. So as confident as you are on the water, Mother Nature is always better. Whatever, it's, it can throw anything at you. Please, when you're checking your weather, don't go onto your weather sites and look on land. If you're going down to Queenscliff, don't type in Queenscliff to look at the weather because that weather station is for on land. The wind doesn't work on land. It blows on land, but it's not going to give you what you need to know. It's not going to change the, the, the grass conditions. No, it's, it's not it's, exactly. It will change the, the footy water might conditions. go left or right, but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's going to change the conditions on the water. We need to check where we're fishing. We need to check when we search. Everyone, I see it on Facebook. Willie Weather's got it wrong again. Look at the bay, and they've typed in, uh, for example, Geelong. But look at the bay, and it's giving you Geelong race course blowing 10 knots. You type in South Channel, Pilot, which is a Pilot station on the water, that's going to give you the, the close to the real-time weather wind, which could be 20 knots. So checking the right stations, checking your tide, understanding where you are. Don't go out of the Barn River in a three-plus meter swell. Don't go out of the rip with a massive ebb tide and swell like I had the other day. Fish to what you need. Check for the location you are going to not what is on land. I hope that makes sense. Be safe, everyone. And that's Red Tips for the week. It's now time for the Flying Gaff, Patrick. It is time for the Flying Gaff. And there's been a surfboard found after drifting from Tasmania all the way to Queensland. It took 16 months after it was lost while Danny Griffiths was out surfing. So the gaff this week quite extraordinary. The board itself, apart from the barnacles sitting underneath at Redmond, was in you might want w- booties on. <laughs> w- was in perfect condition. Um, quite extraordinary to see the things that get um, <laughs> lost and then taken halfway around the country or taken halfway around the world. We've seen uh, what was it? It was a bar crusher, I think, halfway through last year that made its way from Australia all the way to New Zealand. They ended up reconditioning the hull. It's quite amazing to see how far things can travel, and it rides home that if you drop paper or rubbish into the ocean, it's gonna, um, it's not going to disintegrate. It's going to end up somewhere else. So let's make sure that we continue to look after our beautiful environment, something that we enjoy every day when we go out fishing or surfing or enjoying the outdoors going full driving. Let's respect it as much as we can because if this rides home to anything, it's that when you drop something in the ocean, it doesn't just disappear. It will end up somewhere at some stage. Thanks for listening to Real Adventures this morning. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.